This podcast includes unapologetic logic and reason and may not be suitable for all audiences. In a world full of nonsense, he's been called the voice of uncommon common sense. He sees the abnormal that many find normal. Author and award-winning speaker, he is Chris. Have you seen all the latest news headlines about the UFOs and they're going to have congressional hearings about UFOs, UFOs. Oh, the intrigue, the suspense. It must be true. There's so much buzz. Uh, pilots set to testify. And it just uh, seemed. And then they, they don't. They just pull back the curtain a little bit. They don't really tell you anything. You know, they could be cutting open, you know, multiple alien bodies out there at uh, Area 51. We wouldn't know. Meanwhile, they're like, God, oh, he spotted a black flying box. I'm thinking to myself, is that the best you can come up with? Has nobody seen Star Wars? These grainy photos. But somehow, somebody, somewhere, is on the edge of their seat with this crap, I guess. Back in the day, there was this uh, radio program called War of the Worlds. I don't know if you ever heard of it. I think it's a pretty well-known story. Most people have heard about it. I'd like to just share a little bit about it with you to lay up today's podcast. i got a couple things to talk to you about. One is this UFO nonsense. Uh, I got at least one email to get to from our good brother, Alan, in Georgia. What a pleasure to hear from you, my friend. Um, Alan's been listening to the podcast a long time. I don't know, maybe the longest at this point. Anybody go back to the beginning still listening? Woo! Sound check. We'll see how many. I mean, there's only three listening now. One of you has had to have been listening from the beginning. I don't know. It's up and down with the listens. It's kind of funny. Anyway, uh, a couple listener emails I'd like to get to. Certainly Alan's. Um, oh, we got another one uh, from uh, Europe. It's very interesting, the, the depth of our audience, which had some very... Well, he was asking me about my gardening and landscaping. And um, I want to share a little bit about with you what we discussed there, because I think it's good stuff for everybody to hear. So that's the emails. There was something else I wanted to say. That's great. I forgot about it already. I guess it wasn't that important. Maybe we'll get into it later. Oh, the interview. That's right. How could I forget? Colonel Jim Mills. Um, I'll get the, the name of the book for you here. i got to go in, in order here. Uh, and his background. But he basically... Um, an intelligence guy, I guess you would say. I'll get you more details on that, too. But really interesting guy to talk to. And uh, he had an interesting perspective on what's going on with the swamp. And uh, I'm just going to give you the... I'm actually... I'm going to follow up on that with a proper uh, proper details. But there, I want to get to the gist of what he said as it relates to the alien story, which we did not specifically talk about. But there's a big tie... And all that points to two things, where this country is headed and what the heck we need to do about it. So let me see if I can keep that on point in a casual conversation, shall we? So War of the Worlds, uh, like I said, most people probably heard I'm not going to sit here and talk to you like uh, fourth graders. If you don't know, I guess you have to look into it. But um, back in the day, 1938, uh, CBS put out this radio show. Uh, a guy named Orson Welles, I guess it was his his radio show, and they did this special feature. And what it was is there was a, a novel written prior to that called War of the Worlds, and um, it was about this Martian invasion. So anyway, fast forward to 1938, 
And Orson Welles puts on the CBS radio program with a couple other announcers that aliens have landed and they're taking over the world. Now, I dug into this a little bit further, and you can check it out for yourself in the show notes. It's fascinating to read the script, which I'm not aware is quite as uh, popular as going. I don't remember really looking at it before. And the detail of the deception is um, interesting. Uh, I didn't even go through the detail in detail. I remember hearing a rumor that um, they had said in the beginning that it wasn't real, but people missed that. I don't know. But this show went on for hours, and there was different reports from around the country Bill in the farm and Joe in the downtown here and, oh, the devastation and what we're witnessing here. And you know, think about the Weather Channel, right, the deception that goes on there that's been exposed. Everything's been polluted when you think about it. Hopefully I remember to come back to that. But anyway, War of the Worlds, they put on this radio program, very, very deceptive. It wasn't like he just got on and said, hey, that we're being invaded by aliens, run for cover. No, 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 that's not what This went on for hours Eyewitness accounts, different interviewers, lots of people in on the plan. The more people in on the plan, the more deceptive it becomes. Well, it worked. It worked magnificently. Fooled a lot of people who were calling the police and newspapers. and um, Crazy, the, this hysteria response to it. I wonder if that was not an early test. An early test of mind control. And think about the impact of this. And I don't really have numbers in terms of, you know, what percentage of the population was fooled versus not. I wasn't there. But apparently it is impactful enough that it's been recorded in history. So a couple of things to note from all this. This mass deception was able to play out before there were any phones, not even TVs. They had no video to offer. 1938 was their video somewhere. I guess there was film, right? But they didn't, have the, they didn't have the ability to reach the masses. Radio, that's all they had. Like, it's a mind-controlled device, the radio, when you think about it. Crazy. Just radio. When you think about the depth of what happened in 1938, you ask yourself, is it a test? Well, let's see what uh, uh, the uh, Smithsonian has to say. They say the infamous... War of the Worlds radio broadcast was a magnificent fluke. Hmm. Orson Welles and his colleagues scrambled to pull together the show. They ended up writing pop culture history. Pretty interesting way of describing that, wouldn't you say? Sounds like it was written more by like the CIA, by the CIA. <laughs> I think they put the Pegasus software on my phone. You know you've arrived when they're tracking everything. I don't know what to say. Anyway, I'm sure they didn't, by the way. Just joking. Everybody take it easy. Uh, I don't even consider myself a conspiracy theorist. I guess now in these days, I'm white so that and male, so that automatically makes me a conspiracy theorist. But I don't really consider myself that. I'm just uh, skeptical, I would say. I see patterns. I don't know. So what does all this War of the Worlds radio show a million years ago have to do with anything today? Well, uh, here's the latest that I pulled up, right in the Wall Street Journal. Wall Street Journal, how much more credible could that be? Uh, I would say no less credible than CBS Radio was back in 1938. People believed it, had integrity. Is that the case anymore? 
Would you believe anything that CBS says? People do. People believe whatever they read online. They read memes and believe it, for God's sake. I remember the earliest case of this I saw, talking about mass hysteria. The USS Gabby Gifford, uh, a new ship christened, named after the uh, congresswoman who was shot. And in honor of her memory, the, the, is the first warship with no guns. And uh, it wasn't Babylon B, I forget what it was. One of the similar satire site. Now, and this was on military, you know, posts, uh, groups, whatever, Facebook. And uh, you should have saw it, seen the hysteria, how gullible people were. I'm thinking, are you seriously falling for this? Yep, people do. Now, I can understand that, you know, you throw a little something out there, people could fall for anything without really, you know what I mean? You could catch me off guard, something like, ah, he got me, okay. But not at the end of the day, it's not like I'm going to go to the bank like that, you know what I mean? Anyway, this is the Wall Street Journal. Credible, like CBS was in 1938. It's got this grainy photo that's like of a, a, a fighter uh, craft. Presumably, you can make out some clouds and these crosshairs crooked and this black object. It could be a freaking bird. Former military and intelligence officials testified to a congressional panel Wednesday that they have seen UFOs and said they could pose risks to national security. Well, get the hell out. Is there any UFO that wouldn't cause threats to national security? A congressional panel examining UFOs will hear testimony Wednesday. Congress wants answers on UFOs. The people deserve the truth. (laughs) All of a sudden, you got a Congress. You know what what I'd like to know the truth about? The the actual election results. It was COVID real. (laughs) I'll deal, I'll deal with the UFOs on my own. I don't know. Was it was that 1938 an early test? And, you know, are they laying this up for future fallback? You know, what's the plan? I don't know that there's like a, a linear plan. They're going to just keep firing weapons to move things in the direction that they want. This is the deep state. This is how the, the deep state operates. And I think that they have. I think they've been testing. I think that uh, many of these things that we see going on now are, are things that have been uh, tested and refined over time. And they're using the same old fool tactics, though, that they know people fall for. Wars. Do you even need a war now? I keep saying this with Ukraine. Does anybody know if there's any actual fighting? Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that there's not. What's going on right now today? Do you get the feeling? Who knows? You have no idea what the hell's really going on. Why is that? American people deserve the truth. I'd like to know the truth about what's going on in Ukraine. I'd like to know the truth about where our money went in Ukraine. We're running out of ammo. We don't have any ammo. We don't have any oil. They don't have any ammo. I'm not sure if they have oil. Now they're landlocked. Uh, so who's winning again? And what are we doing? could be lucky we don't get ourselves in big, big trouble. We keep it up. Some of these countries not too happy with us. Some of the antics. And then they have this UFO story. All these stories teed up. Pandemic. Oh, the next pandemic. I guess, the, you know, what's that mean? When Trump gets elected again? When somebody gets elected that the deep state intelligence community? And, and, um, and, and let me, uh, as far as the deep state, let me come back to that with, with the book that I want to talk about. Let me roll into these emails a second. I wanted to just share that about the UFO 
you got to be so skeptical of the doggone news. I saw a, a photo in a headline last night. Did I mention this? Uh, funnel cloud spotted over Capitol with a photograph of it. It's like the tail of a, of a cloud. I got so disgusted. I looked at it on my phone. I got so disgusted. I put the phone down. I said, I can't look at this garbage anymore. I went outside. It's just complete lies uh, to the scale of War of the Worlds, but less theatrical. Do you think people are catching on? Do you think people are believing? I don't know. UFO hysteria. All the problems right now, and this is what Congress, we're going to have some hearings on the UFOs. But we have some hearings on Ukraine or Hunter Biden or the election and the election scam and why inappropriate materials being rammed down children's throats and uh, genital mutilation of children being allowed to go on. That's what I want to know about. I don't know about you. Maybe we get through that and we want to talk about the UFOs. I guess maybe that would be appropriate. All a big scam. Let me share a couple of these uh, emails here with you. And I'm looking here right now. I see uh, I had the wrong email account open over here. So just bear. I'm just going to tell you what he said. I have to read it to you. Basically, he was asking me, he said, um, what kind of uh, you know bushes are you planting? He said, you've been working on your bushes. And... Um, yeah, he said he's growing stuff to eat, or which. Uh, so I wanted to answer that. Actually, I thought I had talked about it, but maybe I didn't. I don't know. I talk about it a lot, actually, because it's kind of become a hobby of mine on on both fronts. So I'll talk about the non-food first. We planted like fourteen, fifteen. I don't know. We're up to quite a few new bushes this year, and we have a lot of flowering. We have flowering bushes going on. You know, pretty much from like I don't know, early to late. Put it that way. Lilac, lavender. I didn't even know the names of all this stuff. Honeysuckle. It's just azaleas. It goes on and on. The beautiful gardens we have. When we bought the house, uh, my wife and I both said, we're going to take some of the stuff out, particularly on the driveways, make it difficult to snow plow. And um, I started kind of looking at it, and I said, eh, it just didn't feel right to take it out. So then, uh, fast forward to this year. Well, so we were both talking about taking it out. Then I guess it was a year ago, I said to my wife, I said, I think I might like to add a few things. And she says, you know, you better consider that carefully because if you do it, you're going to have to maintain it then. You know, we're getting to be that age. Hey, what's this mean? I can, I can make, maintain anything. Not really, right? So, and it really does add up. You know, you, you got to keep them trimmed sometimes twice a year. You got to do the cleanup, the mulching around them. Blah, 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 blah. So I say, yeah, you're probably right. So fast forward to this year, and then we both wanted to add more. So I was like, I'm not waiting. And uh, we had some other things going on. I mentioned to you a rain garden and reshaping our beds and taking a tree down and this and that. So it was just kind of a natural year to do it. Um, but, yeah, we added a, a bunch of this. So that's non-eating stuff. And then the other thing, uh, my daughter and I planted seeds um, morning glory. And so we've been growing those in. And uh, I'll probably extend that line a little bit next year, rebuild the lattice that I have it growing on. And... Uh, that's just blown up. <laughs> it's fun. It's been very fun. We have a, a stucco wall that it's growing. And it's just um, really cool. Really cool. I'm so glad I did that. So that's that. On the food front, uh, we're not homesteaders. We're not growing our own food. But I want to make sure that I can. And quite frankly, we haven't been doing real well. None of our seed took this year with the exception of the morning glories. But as you know, you can't eat them. She might be able to. I don't know. But I don't know they're going to get by on morning glory. You know what I'm saying? Either way. 
So uh, we have a pear tree, which is cool. We have uh, raspberries in the back of the property. And um, uh, we've done, we're doing tomatoes and peppers and melons this year we're growing. And uh, I just realized something. Maybe one of you know. I put the honeydew and cantaloupe in there with the tomato plants. And uh, I feel like I should be seeing melons right now. Did they cross-pollinate? I think they did, didn't they? <laughs> All right, well, we'll see what happens with that. Actually, I got that on a whim. I bought those plants up at the corner place, and I got the mulch. They kind of were writhering away, looking really rough. I said, give me the they're on sale. I said, give me this thing. I'll throw them in the ground. And they took off. Just not seeing fruit. But I, I could check the season, I guess. Maybe I'll do that when I'm done. Anyway, that's the shakedown on the food thing. And uh, just to, to wind that up, a couple thoughts on it if you're considering any of that. Um, uh, I, de- I do recommend that you start practicing growing food now if you're not already. Start with one plant if you want. Get a tomato plant going. Get a pepper plant going. Grow some grapes. You can have fun with that. You grow raspberries, blueberries, blackberries. Pretty easy to do that stuff. Thing I want to tell you, and part of the reason why we haven't added apple trees and whatnot, um, you got to keep that stuff cleaned up. Unless you have the kind of property that you can let it sit out in the middle of nowhere, and if it's apples, you got to be careful. Apple seeds have arsenic and they'll uh, contaminate the ground. So uh, naturally, over time, a lot of people don't know that apple orchards are, are very toxic. Most people don't realize that. But um, anyway, you got to keep, keep you know, insects, you know, deer, animals going to attract. Animals fighting with other animals. You know, you come out there and, you know, the raccoon got in a fight with the fox. Does that ever happen? Not that I've ever heard of. Two raccoons, one doesn't make it. Now you got a dead raccoon and a big mess out there. So I think you got to really, I'm, I'm being, uh, I'm exaggerating a little bit. But, yeah, it could happen. Just if you really want that coming in there. Got to keep it picked up, fenced in. Whatever you're going to do. We didn't want to go through all that. So I was like, I'll just stick with the garden. Which we're having enough trouble with the deer. Did I tell you guys this story? Let me tell you real quick about the deer. So we have a deer run down the back and up the side of the property. And I kind of like it. You know what I mean? Um, our yard's fenced in. We have dogs. We have a double dog run on the one side. The other side, it's kind of difficult for them to get down there. But they easily do. Um, and they easily come in the dog run, too. While the dogs are in there, even. And uh, anyway, one of the does this year came in and just tore up everything. It actually was heartbreaking to me. <laughs> I put so much work into that. And it was, everything looked, it was looking so good. All bounced back, by the way. She ate all my tomato plants, chewed the tops off. They came back. I was shocked. You know, so the garden's been a really rough year. You get the idea on that. Um, and, and the worst part about the deer coming in was um, I had the repellent, but I hadn't put it down, so I did. I think I told you that part. Well, anyway, as a mother and two uh, d- uh, uh, fawns, and I was afraid when I put this repellent down, I'm like, I'm going to push the deer out into the road because they, when they when they come into our yard, it's because they're taking a little different route than the normal route crossing the road. They're going up and over instead of just over. And I'm like, it's going to push them out into the road. Sure enough, in front of my neighbor's house a couple of days later, dead baby deer. And I thought, ah, this, and then my, my wife said that the other uh, fawn was running around by herself for a while. But, the, you know, the moms, they'll leave the baby sometimes. I'll go, I've seen the mom jump over the fence, leave the baby. I went and saved the baby from running on the road one time. Not this year. Anyway, I, I just, I chased her the other way, Bob. It's not like I went out and scooped her. 
<laughs> I didn't do that. Could you imagine? That would be hilarious. Anyway, um, dead baby out there. I was very upset. And I don't know what's happening with the mom and the other one. And um, anyway, then they appeared. Back, I actually heard, I knew it rained a couple times. I had not put repellent down. And it's funny, too, because they're, like, evading the cameras, which is really funny. And uh, But they didn't evade the driveway alarm. That's why I tell you, you had multiple layers of security. Boom, 4 o'clock, I think it was Sunday morning, I jump out of bed. I knew what it was right away, and I'm yelling at her. And she's a bit obstinate, but the baby was with her, which I didn't even realize at first. So she went and ran them right away. I think it was because the baby was there. So I'm standing there for a second, and they look great. Uh, she's up in my neighbor's yard. And part of the problem is my neighbor kind of encourages it, which isn't really helpful to the cause. And um, anyway, here comes bounding from out back, big old buck. I want to say eight-pointer, nice rack on this guy, nice Pennsylvania deer. So anyway, that's the deer story for you. But there's another email I wanted to share with you here. Um, I had the wrong one open. I'm not doing well with the emails here today. Alan from Georgia. He said, what you said and we will defend is exactly what uh, I articulate to folks. Seek to do no harm. <clears throat> Seek to do harm to my wife, dog, or me, and it's game on with any and all tools at my disposal. No one's going to defend, protect us, so it's our responsibility to do so. You said that uh, your wife said that you need to tone it down on this topic. I'm with you. Letting people know that, uh, that ba- what boundary they cannot cross is perfectly reasonable. It used to be understood that messing with others could result in negative consequences. I was raised that way. Do unto others as they would have them do unto you. Folks just aren't raised that way anymore. Anyone believes in the Second Amendment has already made their decision. No one's going to protect me, then I'll protect myself. And that includes uh, folks trying to prevent me from doing so. I just hope that Brandon has the courtesy to come in person and take my firearms and whatever else they wish to do. Put up or shut up. Be well and continue this, uh, spreading the message. Um, appreciate it, Alan. Good to hear from you, my friend. And um, and it's, so let me use that as a segment. Well, let me tell you a funny story real quick. See, speaking of do unto others, they do unto you. Uh, maybe I told you this part too. My daughter playing a little game. She took my iPad keyboard. She hit it. It's going back and forth. She leaves for vacation, forgets it's hidden away. I need my iPad. I'm a little upset. She comes back. I try to talk to her, and she continues the little game, and now I'm very upset. I wake up the next morning. There's her iPad on the kitchen counter, and I thought, hmm, isn't this interesting? Very predictably, the following afternoon, I get a text from my wife. Do you happen to know where your daughter's iPad is? Not a clue. I said, yes, I do. Let her know. I'll speak with her about it when I get home. And uh, that's exactly what I said to her. I said, you're going to get a little lesson and do unto others as, as you would have them do unto you. And um, I'm not going to tell you the whole conversation. I'll just say this. Uh, I was amazed at her maturity and ability to handle it. Um, she didn't cry. She didn't get all crazy. Um, the funny thing is she came in to give me a kiss goodnight later, and she says, uh, you know, Dad, uh, I'm sorry about all that. She said, that, uh, sometimes, you know, we mess around, and, and I just don't know where the line is. And I'm like, that's my fault. I'm going to reestablish the line for you. I'm going to keep that iPad for about a month. So then uh, 4 o'clock in the morning, she comes crawling in bed with us, wakes me up. And I'm like, God, oh, this kid's killing me. Uh, so I was like, I just got up because I was instantly angry with the whole thing. My little 8-year-old 
my head ready to blow off over the stupid keyboard. It wasn't just the keyboard. There's more to this story I'm not throwing in, but you get the idea. I was upset with her, right? And she calls in the bed, and she wakes me up, and I get some coffee, and I'm, you know, pacing around trying to calm my really t- I'm like, that. I don't know if I'm ever going to give her the iPad back. And uh, I went and took it upstairs. <laughs> I gave it back to her. And what are you going to do? It's my daughter. <laughs> it's like, oh, jeez. Repeat the cycle. Who can I blame for that? Anyway, uh, we will defend. Alan, thank you for the support. Let me use that as a, as a segue uh, into a really interesting conversation that I had. I'm not going to give you the whole book and, and author right now. I want to do that properly at a later date. We'll see. Maybe I'll have him on. He might be interested in doing that. Anyway, this guy is like a intelligence guy. And uh, this is on my friend Stan's radio show in Philadelphia. And I wasn't able to get down this week, but I did call in. And um, I asked him, he was basically explaining how, and he said there's a couple of arms to this, the pharma, the big pharma, the military industrial, the, um, the uh, intelligence, um, and the bureaucracy, government administration, I suppose. And I said to him, my question was, uh, I said, um, he said, basically, they've taken over. I said, we don't do anything. You know, what's next? He said, tyranny. Uh, what's tyranny? Do you know? Does everybody remember? Taxation without representation. Taking your money without you having any say. And that's done. It's done. I said to him, and he said, uh, he said, he said, it was going to be my follow-up question. He said, then what do we do about it? And he said, you have to get involved at the county level, the local level. Um, let me say this to you. A uh, great guy. Great book. Thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. Would look to have him on. Totally don't agree with him. As a matter of fact, I would say to you, and I don't mean to say this um, in the malicious sense that it is, I wouldn't be surprised that this guy's still working for the intelligence community infiltrating the Republican Party, quite frankly. I'd ask him that. How do I know where your allegiances are? Weren't you part of this mechanism? I don't know. I'd have to see what his ties are. I don't, I don't, like I said, I like the guy. I don't want to mean to be finger-pointing. But what I am saying is this sounds like a, a party call, right? Hey, so how do we fix this problem? Well, you good people need to get involved at the local level and support what we're doing at the federal level. Now, listen, I'm not completely, um, you know, downplaying that or poo-pooing that. I know this guy's a big Trump supporter. I know that one of the big problems in the Republican Party is this leaving people off the ballots, and, and that's coming to light. Lawsuits going on because Republican committees canceled people off the, because of other candidates that they supported that the party didn't. I saw it happening right here. Total sham. They had a, another guy, jo- uh, I don't want to say his name either, Josh. I forget his last name, though. He's been working in this area. He spoke about it on, on the radio show as well. I, I told you, I've seen it with my own eyes. With the candidate that I knew, they left him off. i got to sit there and watch that as a Marine combat veteran. You want to talk about tyranny. Who did it? I, I, I know her name. A, a lady, I'm going to say, 75-year-old lawyer from the very wealthy part of the county. Nasty as all get out. Right there in my friend's dining room, I watched this go on. Don't tell me there's not problems in the Republican Party. What does that have to do with Trump and this guy? Well, when it came to Kathy Barnett, the... Uh, they did their own smear tactics. Same game, different color. And now we have Fetterman in Congress. Who got him in there? 
Well, those who could control him. Big Pharma. Maybe Big Pharma bought him. Maybe I don't know how it works exactly. I think it could come from any angles. And I think it's disconnected. And here's why I say I disagree with this premise that somehow if we get involved in our local politics that we can fix all this. And don't think, I don't, don't think it me wrong. I don't, I don't know that it's a bad idea. I don't think it's a bad idea to get involved in local politics. Although I think you got to be careful with it. I'm just going to say this to you. I, I kind of think we're past the point of no return, more or less. If somebody's got a better, I mean, we're really close, if not there. You know, the amount of money, the, the debt, um, the laws, the infiltration of young people, this um, very, very liberal way of living to the point that it's not making any sense, which I predicted. This circular liberalism that's begun to return back on itself, eating itself. I don't know. Don't get me wrong. I've said this before. I am not an advocate for any civil war or any armed conflict. If you were going to have any kind of a serious armed conflict, you would need to have a situation where um, some entity like a Wagner group was formed and was able to deliver some type of domestic attack. Good luck with all that. And I'm not saying that it might not um, gain some traction just like Wagner did and maybe it'd make it to D.C., but you ain't going to go much further. And, And here's the thing, even if you did, then what? And I think Wagner realized this. What's his name? Schotzenbin or whatever. I love how these announcers, they rehearse and practice these names. I don't care what this guy's flipping name is. Schotzenbin. This guy's nothing to me. You know, he's like a chef, and now he does Putin's bidding. Who knows? Everybody's like he's some kind of war hero, conquering general. I'm going to guess probably not. But anyway, <laughs> how do I know? Um Either way, uh, you'd need to have something like that. It, I don't think I think your chances of success would be very too small, depending on how you define that. But what are you really gaining? What the, what next? <clears throat> you're gonna you know, you're gonna set up an interim government? You're, craziness, absolute craziness. So you know what other you know you could have this mass civil unrest and disobedience. Um, you could see that. You know, when people get to the point where, you know, the money they have doesn't matter anymore, um, you could see stuff like that, or people can't buy food, certainly. But I don't see any of that as really being as as productive. Uh, But I do think that it's going to take a massive flip that can only come, really, when the country's hit rock bottom, and who knows what, when that even looks like. I've said many times, I, I... I don't see it coming in a flashbang. I don't see some falling off a cliff. And like I've said many times, um, I'm not saying it can't happen either. I'm not saying that any of those things can't happen. Highly likely scenarios, very, very dangerous times. What's it going to lead to, really? Lots and lots of dysfunction. We're in a pretty freaky spot. You know, a lot of this COVID relief is supposed to dry up. And I'm not really sure how. I mean, this government spending is super high. I guess they supposedly push this money for, you know, green technologies or something like that instead of the COVID relief. But basically, they've, you know, made so many of these people relying on welfare. And now they're supposedly about to turn the faucet off. Huge problems. 
<clears throat> in the economy and commercial real estate. They tried to deny and paint a rosy picture. It's funny how the news works. The, the, the finances are in shambles. They make it sound like it's great. The weather's great. They make it sound like it's awful. I'll leave you with that today. <laughs> if the world's not upside down and that doesn't explain it, I don't know what else. Hey, God willing, I'm going to come back soon. I'm done for the week. You hear me? Done. I don't know. Now I got things going on. I'm going to relax a little bit. It's still summer. You've got other things to do. And we'll catch up next week if that sounds good to you. Send me an email if you want. Info at ChristopherScottShow.com. Hope to see you soon. Make it a great day.